Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, it's Erica, and welcome back to another episode of In Doubt. This week, our guest is pastor, author, and podcaster, Tim Elmore. Tim is joining us from Ontario today to talk with Isaac about doubt. What is it, and how do we have a healthy relationship with it? When we go through periods of doubt in our faith in God, is that just highlighting our lack of faith? This is a great conversation that will hopefully answer some of your questions and fears surrounding doubt. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, and with me on the show today is pastor and fellow podcaster, as well as many other things, which he'll fill you in on, Tim Elmore. So thanks for being on the show today, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me, Isaac. It's good to be here. Uh, yeah, let's just take some time. Like, I don't know you. Sure. What's your, yeah, what's your story? Fill me in, fill our listeners in on who, who Tim is. Yeah, so quickly, I guess I grew up in, uh, in Arkansas, so I'm a Southern boy. Um, about the age of, of 28, 30, uh, God did a lot of, of moving around in my life. So I, I had always, uh, you know, like at the age of 18, was on church staff as a youth pastor kind of a thing um, and had been serving in churches. At, at that point, decided that God was giving me an opportunity to go and serve on the mission field. So I did a couple of years in uh, Argentina uh, and a couple of years in Peru. And now I'm a missionary uh, in Canada. A lot of people would say, no, you're a pastor because I am pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. But at the same time, I, I always like to remind people, until I can get biscuits and gravy at the local diner, I'm a missionary. <laughs> yes, that's so good. Have you learned all the different Canadian uh, lingo slowly? Yeah, so, so working on that, right? Like I've been here, I've been here, I guess, just over eight years. Okay. I pastored in Toronto for uh, seven years, and I've been a year and a half now in, uh, in Stratford. Uh, so I, I've been here. I'm not getting used to winter. I I don't plan on it. Um, but uh, but yeah. Yeah. No. That's that. That's good. Um, a friend of my in-law is actually from India. He's a worship leader in India, and he's come up a couple times up to Canada here. And it's just it's just so funny to see because he'll he'll walk outside on a day when we'll just wear a light jacket and he'll have a scarf and all these you know big fluffy jackets on and. Um, it's just different. So I'm sure that in the wintertime, you'll have multiple layers. You know, it's not the cold that bothers me. It's just the length. Okay. Just the, <laughs> okay, the okay. marathon of winter. Yes, right? yes, and These yes. fall springs that pop up and then it snows again. And yeah. Yeah. It's okay. That's it's good. okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm interested though. When you said you're on 28, 28, 29, God was doing some work. So what's, I'm, I'm curious as to what kind of work he was doing. You don't have to go into everything, but just curious. Yeah, so... So I, I, I'd been asked um, to do a, a guest preaching at this church. And, uh, and in that, I was preaching through the story of uh, Jesus and the rich young man and how, how the rich young man says, this is what I want from you. I want eternal life. So he's, he's asking, how, what does it cost, right? It's a transaction. I, I want eternal life. What do I have to do? Uh, and how he takes that. And it's a lot of times like when I go shopping, uh, maybe it's not how, how you go shopping, but when I go shopping and I see something I really like, I go, oh, and then I flip the price tag and I go, oh, and I just put the price <laughs> tag and put it right back where right. it was uh, because it was more than I was willing to give. 
And, and my, my encouragement to everyone there was, we're not shopping with God. God has given us his commission. He's called us to something. And we need to pursue that and not draw lines in the sand to say, God, I only follow you this far because that is not saving faith. And it was one of those things where I was preaching and I don't think I ever stopped the message because someone would have said something to me like, why did you stop and just stare at the ceiling for a while? (laughs) But somehow the only thing I could think about for the rest of my message was not the words coming out of my mouth, but hey, Tim, you know for a fact that you have an invitation to be a missionary teacher for Buenos Aires International Christian Academy in Argentina uh, for, the next, for the next year. What are you holding on to? What line have you drawn in the sand? And why don't you follow up on this opportunity? And so, and so that, really, that really got me. And I went home and I opened up that contract. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. It's a year. I'm going to give it. And, and I reread the contract and somehow I missed it the first time, but it was actually two years. And at that <laughs> point, I was like, this is really going to be a thing, isn't it? This line is going to keep getting pushed back further and further. Uh, and, and so I signed that contract and I've not been home, but for a visit here and there since. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And, and now 41. So it's been, uh, been over 10 years. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love that. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I feel like I, I heard recently a testimony or a reference to a testimony of a man that got converted in his own sermon uh, as he was preaching. <laughs> he like was preaching the gospel and and he experienced regeneration. So the Lord can speak to us through our own preaching and that's exactly what he did. So, And if he doesn't, we're probably not preaching anything worth hearing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, and also quickly, before we jump into, uh, thanks for sharing that, Tim, by the way. Before we jump into our, our conversation, uh, you're also the co-host of the In and Through podcast. So quickly for our listeners, if people are listening to In Doubt, they're probably listening to other podcasts. So, you know, this is your two second, you know, appeal. Yeah, so so this is what we're what we're doing within and through. People don't do Wednesday night Bible studies anymore. It's just not fit into our schedule. And pastors try to bring them back, and they don't work out. So we thought, how do we meet that need in the, the modern era? And so we did a podcast. So it's my associate pastor and I. Uh, right now, we're leading our church through a chronological reading of the Bible. So every week we get together and we record. We're going to do the whole Bible in a year chronologically. Um, we record just sort of the snippets of, of giving a theological and a historical foundation of where we're at in that passage, have some fun chatting about what God's showing us through the week. Uh, and then we throw up a lot of bonus episodes. Like right now we're doing some bonus work stuff on uh, the different elements of the church because we just miss the gathering so much. So uh, what goes into, why do we do announcements the way that we do announcements? And that doesn't sound like a very (laughs) theological kind of thing to talk about, but really it is. It's something we have to consider, right? God is doing great things in our church and giving us opportunities. Let's approach that as as an act of worship, how we choose the songs, why we don't choose some songs, those kinds of things. So uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, We like to just sort of go round and round about it, uh, but that's in and through. That's cool. No, that sounds great. Yeah. So yeah, if you're yeah. listening right now and you're interested in that, then you can check out in and through uh, podcast. In and through.org or the Gospel Coalition Canada. Cool. Either way. That's awesome. That's so good. All right, let's jump in here, Tim. Um, doubt and uncertainty. Um, this is something that many people, maybe all people to some extent experience, but maybe the first thing we can do, maybe we can start at is kind of defining doubt. Defining doubt how it kind of relates to uncertainty, 
So yeah, what is doubt? How do you think about doubt? Because I feel like some people have different ideas. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. And when I, I actually did this, right? Like look up the definition. What is, how is the word used and what are the different ways it can be used? And the first definition that I saw in that was uncertainty, right? Um, and interestingly enough, I looked up uncertainty and the first word given was doubt. And so the two were being used as synonyms, the definitions of each other. And I thought that is, there are moments maybe when that's true, but I don't think universally true. So I, I would say this, I would say doubt is to lack confidence in something, right? I doubt this is going to work. I doubt they're going to come through to see something and, and to lack confidence in that thing. Whereas I think uncertainty is more to have questions or to be unsure about something, right? So yes, they can be synonymous in a way that you might like, you might doubt your ability to do something. You're uncertain as to whether you could do it. And maybe past experience has told you this is not going to work out. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so for that, you experience doubt that is uncertainty or uncertainty that is doubt. Right, right. And the two are together. But you can also do things like... Uh, I think you can look at God's will. We know that God has a plan for us that he is going to carry out. And I can be uncertain as to what that is, but I don't doubt that it exists. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or I, I believe that there will be a future. I'm uncertain as to what that will look like, but I don't doubt that it would exist. Does that, if that makes sense, that's, that's sort of the relationship and the tension that I see inside of doubt and uncertainty. So basically when you say that though, then there and I mean, this is kind of an obvious point, but I think it's important for people to hear that you can be a genuine Christian and experience <laughs> uncertainty uh, and, oh, 100%. and yeah. doubt to some extent. And, and I, I just think that's important. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I was going to mention it later in areas that I would say to resource on this. Barnabas Piper just did a fantastic book. He, he wrote it years back, but it's just been re-released called Help My Unbelief. Mm -hmm where he wrestles with this and he challenges Christians that won't doubt. Hmm. And he says, yeah, how are you ever going to grow? Are you just burying your head in the sand? How is it that you could ever grow in your faith if you're not willing to ask questions and admit that there are some things that you're not sure about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That, that's really good. What are your thoughts on this idea, though, of um, kind of this, the, this kind of skepticism and sort of the spirit of skepticism? Because I feel like there's some people that you talk to and whether they're Christian or not Christian, it's more so with those I don't think that are. And they will kind of rest on saying that they are they are doubting these things. They're uncertain about, let's say, the Bible, how it was brought together, the existence of God, suffering. But it almost as if the idea of just the spirit of skepticism, it doesn't really seem like they're willing to move forward. There's kind of in that realm. Um, have you experienced that before with some people where it just doesn't seem like they're actually willing to listen, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I'm by no means a career apologist, but in the field of apology, they talk about uh, willful disbelief, okay. right? Okay. That they have chosen to disbelieve, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what evidence you put before them. They've already made up their mind. Right, exactly. They don't want to believe in that thing, and you're not going to persuade them with evidence. Uh, oftentimes, people will say, like, I hear you, and that sounds great. Um, you're probably even right, but, but right. Cause they want to stay in those, you know, beliefs that they, that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I had a conversation recently, Tim, with a young man and it was a really good conversation and it was really just blunt and straightforward, but respectful. 
And one of the things that was holding him back from just confessing and, and believing in the Lord Jesus was his uncertainty and his doubt of the goodness of God because of issues that have gone, like terrible things that have gone on um, in, his, in his life. So I'm just thinking about, you know, for myself and I'm sure for yourself as a, as a missionary and as a pastor and for many listening as well, who are doubting the goodness of God in terms of suffering and uh, the things that they, the thing, the realities that go on in their life and the evil really can happen in their life, doubting the, the goodness of God. So how do we then help counsel and help work through those issues of uncertainty of God's goodness um, with them? Or how, how have you done that in the past? Yeah. So, so I, I think first we have to ask the question, like this is, this is the problem of pain, right? C.S. Lewis. Um, and, and this is, this is something that I, again, I'm, I'm going to keep tiptoeing into the apologetics field until someone actually challenges me to try something <laughs> apologetics. And, but it, but it is very common, uh, for people to come against the idea of faith based on the benevolence of God. Is God good? And if he is good, why does bad exist? Um, it's been proved even by secular thought that just because God is good doesn't mean that there can't be bad things happening. And sometimes God uses these things, right? All things work together for good for those who loved him and are called according to his purpose. And so, so what I always try to do is I always try to cause people to say, think about what it means to be sick, right? When you're sick and you, you have pain, is that pain a bad thing? Of course, I don't want pain and I want it gone. But if that pain causes me to realize, hey, there's something deeper going on. There's something here that has to be addressed. There's a, a cancer, there's an infection, whatever it might be. This pain is a way of letting me know I need to seek help in this. Uh, I think pain in our life is often that, right? And we have the option. We have the option to say, well, I don't like that means, the means by which you're going about getting my attention. And so I'm going to ignore you. Or we have the means to say, hey, you know what? Let's lean into this and, uh, and see where it goes and see what you have for me. I think this whole COVID experience is going to really come down to this, right? Like here we've been brought to a standstill. And people keep asking the question, how are we going to come out on the other side? A lot of that has to do with us. Are we going to wish the pain away and keep wishing for normal? Or are we going to learn from it? Are we going to grow from it? Are we going to say, you know, God, speak to me through this. Don't, let's not waste this time. God, use this in a way to grow me. And I don't know how it is that you're seeing people handle this, this kind of a pain. What do you think? Do you see people really leaning into it or just wishing it away? That's a, that's a good question. And I think that there's sort of a, I think we can say one thing with our lips and maybe believe something else in our hearts. Obviously, all of us struggle mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. uh, God is the only faithful one uh, when it comes to what he says and who he is. But yeah, your question, I think that a lot of people will say the right thing. They'll say that we do want to grow from this. We do want to go. But I think that for a lot of people, and including, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself to some extent, there is that sense of just kind of wanting things to go back to where they were because they were just comfortable. Uh, it was comfortable. You're able to do what you wanted to do. But I think because of people's willingness to at least voice the fact that they do want to come out with a greater, whatever, whatever it might be, great appreciation of the gathering of the church, you know, al allowing the the pain of isolation and so on and so forth to draw us closer to the Lord. I think we can um, hopefully kind of journey from the mouth to the heart if they're at least willing to, to vocalize it. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like, uh, 
in the same way that we would acknowledge that we have needs, like I need to go to the gym, I need to yeah. start eating better. Yeah. And, and I, I might today, uh, but we'll see again about tomorrow. <laughs> Are you actually being serious or was that just part of the illustration? Uh, I'm too busy today. Okay, right? okay, I'll get okay. to, I'll get, yeah, I'll get course, to it another day. Okay, okay, I right. see. Yeah, I get that. Uh, no, that's that's good. Uh, you know, I, you know, just to kind of pull pull back the conversation that we're having so far, it it does sound like in many conversations about doubt and uh, uncertainty, apologetics is a, re- a reality that we have to we have to face. But I think for a lot of people, apologetics, and even for myself to some uh, extent. The idea of apologetics is just seems really intimidating. Mm-hmm. We'll because what, when we think about apologetics for people that have been in the church for some time that know apologetics a little bit, because people outside I don't know if they know what, exactly what that means, but they'll think of people like Ravi Zacharias, right, and others, uh, William Lane Craig, and others. And these minds, I mean, are just you know just massive, and it can be kind of intimidating. So. When it comes to apologetics, like even for yourself, you were sort of using some philosophical apologetics there when you were talking about suffering and so on. I, I guess it, maybe this isn't a question, it's more of a comment, but we sort of have to make use of some sort of apologetic as we discuss issues of doubt and uncertainty. Yeah, I, and here's the reason why I, I really drive people in that direction. One, the, the purpose of apologetics for the sake of convincing others is a secondary purpose for apologetics. The primary purpose for apologetics is answering my own questions hmm. and, and strengthening my faith by informing myself. And so I think that's the primary role of apologetics. And secondly, I, I think if we're going to ask deep questions and not look for deep philosophical answers, we're getting right back into the willful disbelief. If we, want, if we truly want to ask hard questions, we have to be willing to do the work to find difficult answers. And that's just, that's just sort of how it works. And I think it's disingenuous to, to say, oh, I've got these big questions that slow me down or stop me, but also I'm going to Netflix rather than figure them out, right? That's, right. that's disingenuous. And, and maybe there's a, a tough love smile and, and way to approach that with people. But, but yeah, I, I, would, I would say we, sometimes we just got to be called out and say, hey, if this is really a stumbling block, why don't you try to crawl over it and see what happens? Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, for those listening too that are are Christians and you are taking your faith seriously, what Tim just said I think is just really important because we might have friends and family that are struggling with something and it'll be important for us to help walk them through, maybe over that hump because I think a lot of people need help to get over their, you know, quick temptation to sort of have these big questions and then quickly result us to the flesh and whether go to Netflix or whatever. But we'll have to help people journey to the path of, of answers and not necessarily just telling them, you know, what they need to know. And it's sort of this, uh, you know, you need to listen to me kind of thing, but helping them find their, find their own answers like Jesus did with asking questions, right? It's the same sort of thing. Um, let's think about this idea of God's perspective in our doubt and in our uncertainty. It's one of the questions you had suggested, and I think it's a great question. So um, you mentioned, does this show our faithlessness when we experience realities of of doubt and uncertainty so you know when i when i was flipping through some of the new testament just about doubt it it seems like and i haven't done all the exegetical analyses of these different verses which obviously play a massive part but you know places like in in james 1 where it talks about praying for wisdom but don't doubt because if you doubt then 
it's kind of, he's almost giving a condition on the answer of the prayer for wisdom, right? And, and many others, you know, Peter's walking on the water, oh, view a little faith, why did you doubt? So obviously there seems to be this reality of faith and then doubt on one side. So yeah, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, I think in in the James passage, just flip into it here, there, there are a couple of things here that I, I think are worth pointing out. Uh, just I'll just read it to everyone so that we have it in front yeah, of us. Any good. of you likes wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously uh, to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, what it is that we doubt, I, I think, could be two things here. One, it could be we would doubt whether or not God will give us that wisdom. Right. Two, it could be whether or not that wisdom that we are given is wisdom hmm. or whether or not there's a better way, right? Um, had a conversation with a guy one time saying, you know, opening the Bible and saying, this is the biblical way to go forward in this. And he said, well, okay, let's do this. Things need to change now. I'm just going to do my thing. And then once I get this sort of ship landed, we'll figure out what the Bible has to say about it. We'll move forward. Right. Ooh. And so that's <laughs> right. And at that point, you just want to be like, I wish I had recorded that so I could play it back to you and you could hear it out loud. Uh, but, but in that, what, what's happened is he has received the wisdom of God and in receiving the wisdom of God said, I don't think that that's the best thing going forward. Right. 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 And, so, and so that's where I think that second part can come into play. Uh, the other is, is to just believe, you know, to ask the question, well, if I pray for wisdom, then what? Do I really believe that God's going to give it to me? And, and maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, those kinds of things. And, and God says, no, there's, there's reason for you. A person who comes because they lack wisdom is someone who has doubt and uncertainty. He's not condemning them for it. He's giving them instruction, right? Ask for it. And when you do, expect to receive it. The question is, how do we receive it? Again, maybe do a little work. Right. Yeah. So if, I, if, I'm, if I'm going to God for, uh, there's some trial, some issue that I'm experiencing, um, trials of various kinds right there, right? So if I'm experiencing that, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to ask for wisdom. If I'm, if I'm praying with an already kind of settled attitude of faith in my heart that I'm not actually going to receive the wisdom of God with the attitude to obey, is that the kind of prayer that James is saying? That's, that's the kind of doubting that you cannot do. Or it's not going to work. Yeah, Isaac, I'd say that's the perfect way to sum the two up, right? Am I going to receive this with an attitude of obedience? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's really good. So, yeah. So back at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about doubt and uncertainty. We have uncertainty in terms of the will of God. But I, I almost feel like, is that really, when I think about doubt and uncertainty, when it comes to things like the will of God, I believe that, you know, God's will for me. I believe where he's taking me. I believe that the inheritance will come. I believe these truths, these promises, even though I'm uncertain of exactly what they will look like. And maybe this is your point at the very beginning, but I don't just, I don't really see that interfering with my faith. Yeah. So I'd say generally it doesn't. It, it more interferes with how you go about your faith, how you walk out your faith. I, I like to point people to books. In this case, I'm going to point you to a book called, Oh, the Places You Will Go okay. by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> okay. um, nice. 
and and in the in the book he he's doing this sort of you know just sort of like cheer you on you got this you're going to go far uh and then he sort of backs off that and says but sometimes you won't sometimes there will be hard times uh, and struggles too and he encourages the people not to fall into the waiting room right that waiting game where you're waiting for the phone to ring or waiting for the sun to shine it's all you know susical rhyme and iambic tetrameter kind of stuff <laughs> and and so he there's so much wisdom inside of that, right? And, and we do this, I would say, maybe more than most people as Christians, right? Kevin DeYoung wrote a great book on this uh, called Just Do Something, right? And, and when we look at examples like Paul, Paul doesn't sit down and say, God, what would you have me to do? And I'm not going to move until you tell me. Paul says, I'm coming. And he, then he t- writes people in He's like, I've been trying to come all this time. God keeps redirecting me, but this is what I'm trying to do, right? I'm trying to get this done. But instead we have this really, when we say this, I don't think we understand how bizarre a view of God we have in this. We, we have this bizarre view of God that says, I believe that God is gracious and merciful and he loves me. But I also believe that he has a plan for my life, a secret plan. And he's not going to give me any clues until I beg it out of him. And if I guess wrong, I'm in trouble, right? <laughs> Where's the gracious and merciful loving God we have in that, right? He's given us the commission and that's it, right? There are going to be times when more specifically he deals with this. But when I was a missionary and I'd go speak at churches, people come up to me all the time and be like, I'd love to be doing what you're doing. That's so wonderful. <laughs> and I got to the point where I'd just say, then go. Yeah, go, yeah. They'd be like, well, I've got the kids. They have kids. They have kids in Argentina. Yeah. Kids will be fine. Right. (laughs) But we got the house. Sell your house. Yeah. Any any other questions? Right. Yeah. 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 Get it done. Go do it. Right. Um, But yeah. And and the other thing I would say, sometimes we have this really high view of ourselves. Like if I only knew what God would have me to do, um, then I would eagerly go. Like if he, like who wouldn't, right? If we knew exactly, like let's say hypothetically, Isaac, let's say that I was walking down the street and my neighbor's bush was on fire but not being consumed. <laughs> and in that, God spoke to me his exact words of what he'd have me to do. Of course, I'd jump all over it. Right. Right? Or if God told me and there, there was this pagan land that I was to go to and tell them to repent because God was going to destroy them in 40 days if they didn't, I'd hop on a boat and I'd sail right to Nineveh, right? And we see ourselves as greater, greater than these great prophets uh, because chances are we wouldn't because we have a general call that gives us lots of freedom to decide how we carry out that thing and how are we doing with that on a day-to-day basis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. And that, that, that's just so important. Um, we have to repent of that high view because we do have that high view of ourselves uh, that <laughs> elevates us more than these others. So no, that's that's a really good point, Tim. And I think- and do, you, that, do you think it puts the onus on God? In what sense? And God, I'm, I'm here. I, I'm here ready to do your, your oh, work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know you've got a plan, yeah, but I'm waiting. we're all waiting on you. Yeah. Wait on you, God. One of the best pieces of advice I got when I was in Bible college was this old, old, old professor that came up who's since passed. And uh, I was having lunch with him and I asked him, okay, what's what's um, two pieces of advice you can tell a young, young pastor? And he said, well, one is the awareness of God. Always know that God is there with you in whatever you're doing. And, you know, that has really practical implications, you know, speeding on the freeway, all of a sudden Jesus is right there. And it's like, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, there's lots of implications. But the other one he said directly applies to what we're just talking about. He said, live, live with a green light always. 
don't live at the red light. Like you just exactly what you're just saying. Don't live at the red light waiting for God to give you the green. And like you talked about Paul with Romans and it's the same thing in Acts when him and Silas and Timothy are trying to get different places and to try to go to Bithynia and the Holy Spirit stops them. So like, okay, that door's closed. Let's go up here. Oh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit stops us. Can't go there. But they keep going. It's not like they just wait there until the Lord tells them to do something. So to keep going. I think that's so good. I had someone drop a really interesting challenge that I'll throw out to anyone listening. Yeah. Go back through the Bible and find every time in the New Testament that people are stalled out praying to God saying, we can't go forward until we hear from you. Give us your will so that we know what to do next. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. And what yeah. will they find? It'll also cause you to read, it'll also cause you to read the whole new Testament. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. That's awesome. Um, maybe as a last uh, thing before we sign off here, Tim is those listening right now that are experiencing doubt are experiencing uncertainty uh, whether it's these big issues of their of their faith, whether it's smaller things, but they are barriers right now, and they're there's kind of suffering with these thoughts of doubt and uncertainty. How would you then, as a as a pastor, as a missionary, as a friend, help them see the gospel in light of their doubt and their uncertainty? I'm thinking of things like, you know, I mean, the gospel is the love of God given to us through Jesus and what He's done. So obviously, the emphasis of God's love and He's not incapable of loving someone who struggles with doubt and uncertainty, um, which is a really, it's a breath of fresh air for many. So yeah, how do you see the gospel in light of this? Yeah, so I, I've already mentioned it a couple of times, but in, in Piper's book, uh, Help My Unbelief, the, the title of that book comes from a conversation that Jesus has with a man. The man comes to him and asks him to go back and heal someone in his household and in the conversation, it, it comes, the man sort of says, like, if you, if you can, and Jesus calls him out on it, right? He's like, what do you mean if I can? Just believe. And the man has one of the most, of all the comments that people give to Jesus, short of Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ, this is probably the most profound in that he would say, I believe, help my unbelief, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, think, I think that there's, so much beauty in this idea that, of course, my belief is just like everything else that I am, limited and incomplete. And it, it is a growing thing. And that I struggle doesn't mean God's done with me, right? Uh, we homeschool. And you know what? My five-year-old can't read. I'm not done with him. I'm teaching him. I know him. And I know where he's come from, and I'm raising him up because I love him. God doesn't, God doesn't expect, like he's not shocked that we have questions. He's not shocked that we need to grow. He's been about this for a very long time. We are not the first people to come along. We are not the first people he has raised up for his glory and for his namesake, right? It's new to us because we've never done it before. He's been doing it for a very long time. And and trust him to be that father that he says he is and the guide that he says he is. Um, and, and trust that he's going to be more patient with us than we are going to be with ourselves at times. And, and it doesn't lessen his love for us. But I would also say, just be careful of that waiting room and, and needing an existential answer. Sometimes the best thing to do is to just change what you're doing. You know, it, sometimes it can be a move right? Sometimes it can just be finding new ways to get engaged or uh, wrapping yourself up in, in a Christian friends group that 
is going to sort of lead you in that direction. And so find, find not only the opportunity to trust and to pray in that way, but, but find ways to physically move yourself in that direction uh, and contribute to your own sanctification yeah. in that way. Yeah, no, that's so good. And that's a, that's a good place to end our conversation, get some practical tips. I love that, Tim. That's so good. If, if you're listening and you're interested in more, I know Tim has just recently read a, wrote an article on some of these same topics for In Doubt, and we'll, we'll have that available on indoubt.ca as well. And also, just to kind of circle back to the beginning, I'd also encourage you to check out Tim's podcast at In and Through Podcast. And it was in and through dot... Dot, ooh, thanks, dot org. Org, dot okay. org. <laughs> dot, Not dot ooh, but dot org. Okay, that sounds good. Dot org. Okay, dot org. That's great. But anyways, Tim, just thank you so much. We appreciate that, and we'll hopefully have another conversation with you again. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of In Doubt. And thanks to Tim for taking the time to join us as a guest. It is so important for us to understand that doubt isn't a bad thing. Having doubts does not make you a faithless Christian or someone who doesn't trust God. It simply means that you need to do some digging to understand your faith more. If you'd like to hear more from Tim, you can check out his podcast, In and Through, or find him on Twitter, The Gospel Coalition, and other online platforms. We'll have all of his channels linked on the episode page on our website. Thanks again for listening, and we can't wait for next week, where we'll have Daniel on with Jonathan Evans to talk about compassion and our prejudice towards the poor. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.